0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Jesus told some incredible parables. And in this particular one we're looking at today is from Matthew chapter 13. Jesus was going all agricultural. He even started talking about things of the day that everyone understood. And he starts off by talking, you'll know, the story of the parable of the sower, the idea of the man sowing the seeds, the beginning of Matthew 13, and where they land. They did the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the wheat and the hairs, and the, the difference between those things. And then we get here to Matthew 13 and verse uh, 31. And I've, I've added an extra parable in because the one I've chosen is so short. So this is the first bit. Jesus was saying this. Here is another illustration Jesus used. This is Matthew 13. It should be on the screen behind me. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, apparently that's 18 bags of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Jesus never spoke without telling stories. This fulfilled what God has spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. This parable I want to look at today, the parable of the yeast, is one verse long. We've got one verse to look at. Jesus used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. A simple activity, an everyday activity, making bread. Especially in the time of Jesus, that would be a normal everyday activity. Loads of, loads of flour, a little bit of yeast. The difference it makes. I want to show you five images And ask you this question. What links these five images together and which one is the odd one out? A little bit of competition for you. There are no prizes. Maybe you can take home a half-baked dough. Um, So what links these five images together and which one is the odd one out? So here you go. The first picture is a picture of a mouth. The second picture is a picture of a horse. The third picture is a picture of a ship. It's actually the Queen Mary 2. That isn't really relevant, it's a ship. The Picture number four is a forest fire. And picture number five is a picture of the landing on the moon. One small step for man, a bit of a clue here. One giant leap for mankind. Five pictures, if you can quit your whiz back and just throw those again. There's a picture of a, a mouth, a picture of a horse, a picture of a, a ship, a picture of a fire, and a picture of landing on the moon. What connects those five itches together? and Which one is the odd one out and why? Oh, talk about yourselves. Some of you think you know. Oh, Yolanda thinks she might have an answer. Okay. Yolanda got there first. Let's have a little look. <laughs> Go, Yolanda. Well, I guess what the last one is not mentioned in the Bible. The other ones are indeed uh, called about all small things, but big um, results, so to say, in the Bible. That's fantastic. The first four, the the mouth, the book of James, James chapter 3. So if we go back to those again, we've got the mouth. James talks about the tongue. He then talks about the, uh, what comes next? The boat, is it? No, the horse, the bit. He then talks about the rudder of a ship. And he talks about firefighting, uh, sorry, sparks, flying, making forest fires. And the other one out is the Apollo 11. Small things make big differences. A small step for man One giant leap for mankind. Here's another weird fact for you. The landing on the moon in 1969 was achieved by three and a half thousand members of IBM. Were you there, Nick, at that time? But not far off. In 1969, three and a half thousand employees of IBM took on a computer the size of many rooms to land the, uh, the Apollo 11 on the moon. The same power to do that exists on your mobile phone. What they achieved some 40 years ago almost can now be achieved with something actually less technical than your mobile phone today. It's amazing how things change. and small things can make a big difference. And mobile phones, I think if James was writing his book today, I think he would have added in there, what's your mobile phone and how you use it? You know, I'm aware many times I've said things, I've used my tongue in a way I think, ah, why did I say that? Why did I throw out that comment? Often it's when I'm preaching on a Sunday and I say things either I think they might be humorous or they might actually help you understand and my wife later will point out the fact that that did neither. How do I use my tongue? And the, the horse, you know, when I was a child, believe it or not, I used to go horse riding regularly. I had my own pair of jodhpurs and I would be in the local Gymkhana's and I'd go horse riding and I knew the difference between a horse that had been well broken in and a horse that had not been so well broken in. You know, with a well broken in horse, you just do a slight touch on the rein and it turns the way you want it to go. On a badly broken in horse, you have to kind of yank the rein to persuade it because it's been badly broken in and the bit isn't working as it should. I also had the experience, if you go back to the picture of the ship there, I went for a sailing weekend on the, on the Solent, the weekend when the Queen Mary II was actually uh, brought into Southampton, uh, Solent there, and I sailed past it. That thing is huge. It is 300, and, here we go, 45 meters long, 1,100 feet long. But it still has a relatively small rudder. It's probably a lot bigger than you or I, but it's, it's a relatively small rudder that turns it. And in this picture, of the forest fire, this is from Portugal, a recent fire in June, where over 60 people died. A small spark, they think it was by kids messing around with fire. And a fire just takes over the place. It's out of control. I used to be a firefighter, some of you know that. And it's one of the worst jobs, trying to put out a forest fire. It's hard work. And then you've got the Apollo 11. there. Five things, small things, make a big difference. James 3 talks about this. And I want to just mention a few moments around this. This parable is all about the yeast being something really small that infiltrates and gets into every part of the flour, which is huge. And Jesus is saying there, we've got to watch out the small things. It's both a warning and a reminder. Small things can make a big difference. It's a kingdom principle. You know, often people believe that big things need big kind of ideas you know a big business or a big personality or big amounts of cash to achieve a big solution but jesus is saying actually something small can make a big difference it's a reminder to us those images i showed to you earlier and I'm going to go through them again in just a moment, are from the book of James, James chapter 3. And I've just finished writing, along with a few other friends of mine, a book called Only the Brave. This is a new book. that will be coming out next Easter as part of Spring Harvest um, in 2018. And this is a look at the book of James around the concept of discipleship. How do we become better followers of Christ? And so while I was looking through this, we did this whole thing around James chapter 3 and the importance of what we say as we are followers of Jesus Christ we go to the first image billy we have the picture there of the tongue james 3:2 says this if we could control our tongues we would be perfect perfect i mean james goes on to say it'll never happen there's a whole there's a whole few chapters there which you can read at your own leisure next april but if we could control our tongue we would be perfect if we could just get hold of some of the things we say and stop before we actually say something, we would be more like Christ. There is huge power in praise and criticism. If I ask you now to think of a time where someone said something to you that completely flattened you, completely broke you, completely upset you or ruined you or threw you off your tongue, you'll all have a moment straight away. You'll be there. It'll be like in, in full color. I remember the words. A teacher, a friend, a parent, a youth worker. Someone often in a position of responsibility said something. Often unwittingly, they just made a comment, but it sat with you for a long time. Oh, you'll never be able to do that. And that's just become your mantra that goes around your head over time. People say things and they have incredible power. But people also have the ability with their words to build you up. Our words are powerful. You know, we know that childhood rhyme that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. We know that's completely untrue. We know that words are very painful. In Proverbs 18, um, the the, writer there, 1821, says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. It was the words of God himself in Genesis 1 that brought the earth into being. His words have power. Our words have power. Words are powerful. Proverbs 12, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Has anyone had that moment where you just say something and you want to try and almost grab the words back in as they're being said? You can't unsay them. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Secondly, this idea of the horse and its bit the next verse, the next screen, please, Billy. James 3.3, 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. For those who don't know, the bit is this, this, this round circle here, the bride, bridle, this is what is on the horse's head, and there's a metal pole that goes through the mouth that joins either side of those two rings. And that metal piece, which has got all sorts of different variations, some are quite cruel, but often they're just a straight piece of metal, and that's called the bit, and it controls The horse. The thing about this is that the bit brings the horse's power under control. The power is under control. You know, each one of us has incredible power. God has given us the power that He had when He gave to His Son Jesus to conquer death and sin. We carry that same power. But He wants us to bring that under control. You know, when we get angry or upset, emotional, we can say things we later regret. I won't ask for a show of hands, it'll be embarrassing. But how do we keep our emotions under an appropriate control? I'm not saying that when we get wronged, we have to just lie down and take it, whatever people say about us. You know, there is about, James talks about, it's about humility. It's like a wisdom in our humility. You know, the power we each carry with our use or misuse of the tongue needs to be brought under control. God gives us that authority. In verse 13 in James, he unpacks his concept of wisdom, the difference between godly wisdom and human wisdom. And it intrigues me, the wiser kind of says, if you are wise and understand God's way, you should be doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. This word humility is translated often incorrectly as some kind of like gentleness. And sort of like, just like, a meekness. And we misunderstand that word as some kind of like, well, we just kind of give up. Whenever someone comes against us, we just say, well, you win. We'll let you have whatever you want. But actually, this word here is a Greek word. It means, it says prowess. Prowess is often translated as meek. Prowess means power under authority, strength under control, nature under discipline the bit of the horse controlling a powerful animal and I found this great story the word prowess is actually borrowed from the Greek military of the time of Jesus and this is about how war horses were trained back in the day the Greek army would go to the wildest mountains and they would find that the horses that were the wildest horses they could find they wanted to find the horses that were the most out of control then they'd bring them back to their, their stables and they would then train these horses. They would break these horses in. And some horses, when they were broken in, became useless. They became actually not very useful at all. And they would be just sent back to the wilderness. Other horses would be broken in and they'd be able and they would be, but they'd be so sort of disciplined, they would have lost a lot of their kind of energy and strength, and they would just be used for carting and for riding on and for just kind of everyday activities. But a few of them would graduate as a war horse. They would be described as prowess, meaning they were strong, but they were under authority. They were under control. It was still determined, strong, and passionate, but it learned to bring its nature under discipline. It gave up being wild and unruly, out of control. A war horse learned to bring that nature under control without losing its strength. Or resilience. It would now respond to the slightest touch of the rider, standing in the face of cannon fire, thunder into the battle, and stop at a whisper. Power under authority. It was now prarus or meek. We need to get ourselves under control, God's control. God has given us incredible strength, incredible power, but we need to get it under control. Thirdly, we have the picture of the ship here, the rudder. And I wanna say this to you. That many times in life you can get busy with life. Life comes along and we can find ourselves being distracted. The small rudder of our life is that which gives us direction. And sometimes people say things to us that push us off course. We think, you know what, they're right. I can't achieve this career goal I'm aiming for. I'll just adjust my rudder. I'll change my tack. I'll change my vision to find something a little bit less challenging. Or you're trying to get education to a certain level. You're trying to achieve a certain um, you know, standard. And people say, I don't think you can achieve that. And you can choose to accept people's comments around you. And you can adjust your rudder, adjust your vision. You know, we've got to ask the question, what is God? asking us to do where is God taking you are we setting our direction around what he's calling us to do I've discovered that many people they start off their jobs and their relationships their marriage their parenting with clear focus and vision they're excited they have a plan this is how it's going to work and then things go a little bit off course things don't always happen the way they had it planned there's disagreements there's disappointments And slowly, I watch people's vision for their marriage, for their parenting, for their career, for their families, for their relationships, just disappear. And they end up just existing through life. They just kind of carry on living because they've lost their focus, their direction. With married couples, we had a great time recently doing a marriage course, Lottie and I, with about 11 couples here from the church. And I'm so glad so many people in our church wanted to invest in their marriages because I know most married couples spend more time preparing for their wedding day than they do for their married life. They spend more time and often more money planning for their wedding day for them for their married life. And then when they get into their married life and that first disagreement happens, all their ambition for their marriage, all their vision for their marriage, just, just you know what, we'll just, we'll just make do. I guess this is what it's going to be like. I'll just survive. I'll get through life. And they forget The purpose of their marriage, of loving one another, of bringing the best out of each other. And their rudder gets pushed to one side. Don't let anyone else take your hand off the rudder. Allow God to be the one that steers you, saying, God, where are you taking me? And lastly, this picture here of fire from James 3. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. As I mentioned, when I was in the fire brigade in West Sussex Fire Service, um, it was one of our worst things was to go to a forest fire. It was the hardest job out of all of them. Normally, you see a picture there with someone with a hose. Normally, you can't get water hydrants anywhere near a forest. They don't tend to go together. And you turn up and always, almost always, at hot time of year. So you're there in this crazy outfit they put you in and you've got your helmet on, you've got this big outfit and you turn up and it's a hot day and there's a hot fire, there is no water and they give you a thing which is like a broomstick with a kind of a flat piece of leather on the end of it called a beater and they hand that to you and say off you go, see that big fire, go put it out. Now, if you ever tried putting a fire out by sort of, sort of slapping a piece of leather on the end of a stick, it's hard work. And you have to kind of work hard. You have to create a fire break. And you have to stop it from spreading. And you keep going for hours and hours and hours until the fire is contained or hopefully out. See, James used this example of a small thing that makes a big difference. And really he's referring to the power of gossip. The power of saying something about someone else when they're not in the room. The power of hearing about someone else when they're not in the room. And you have the choice of what am I going to do with the words I'm hearing. Or what am I going to do with the words I'm saying? Often people gossip for, for you know, that harmless intent. They're just saying something because they want to either be involved in a conversation, they want to show they've got some knowledge about somebody. But actually the power of that few words is like a spark that can set off a forest fire. Somebody once said, gossip is a bit like getting a, a pillowcase full of feathers and running through the middle of the town, wafting all the feathers out of the pillowcase. And then the next morning, trying to collect them all up and put them back into the pillowcase. It's not going to be easy. And that's what happens when we gossip. We say these about other people. Our words have incredible power and they can get out of hand. False rumors can affect people for years and years and years. Proverbs 16 says this, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. We've got to watch what we say. They don't spread like wildfire. It is always better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. When we're facing difficult times, rather than whinging about the problems we find ourselves in or the person you think that's caused that problem, let's be people who light the candle. We find something new or something different, a way forward. If we can harness the power of our small comments, our small offerings, You know, we've got this building program going on. We've got this concept called quids in. We're just getting people to go a pound a month. We're going to double it to two pounds a month. Small things can make a huge difference. If you're willing to give small amounts regularly together, we can make a huge difference. The way we use our time, our small amounts of time, our spare time. Everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. How do you use that which you've been given? We can make small adjustments to our lives. We can make a big difference. I want to leave you this week with just this one slide and a challenge for us all when we think about flour and yeast and small things making a big difference in James chapter 3 in these four different images. I want to challenge you this week on the last slide. First of all, how about making bread? That's my first challenge. How about this week making breads? It's a bit messy. You can even buy a packet of bread mix if you want to from the shops. It's much easier. It's cheating, but much easier. Makes us some bread. The smell is fantastic. But really, the challenge is, with your tongue, I want to say, watch your words. Build others up. Think about what you say. With that horse's bit image, let's people, people who control our feelings and harness the power that God has given to us. And thirdly, that image of a ship Stay on course. Don't get distracted by those around you or life and the challenges you face. You know, when Peter walked on water, he was doing all right until he realised there was wind and waves all around him. There will always be winds and wind and waves around you in life. There will always be challenges. But let's get focused and stay on course. What God's got for us. And lastly, don't play with matches. Be kind with your comments, online and offline. Our short comments that we make, when you make that comment online, that Facebook post, that Instagram, that whatever social media you prefer, Twitter, think before you write it. Think before you say it. It's amazing what people say online to people they don't even know. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, let's be people who think carefully before we start setting off sparks that could make a forest fire. When you think of making bread... And we think of that parable that Jesus told. Remember the kingdom principle, that small things make a big difference. Let's stand if we can and pray and I'll get the band to kind of join us here on the stage. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.